In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You've probably heard a lot of stewardship sermons on this text. My guess is not a lot of Ash Wednesday sermons on this text. The stewardship sermons go like this. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Give them to us instead. We'll take care of them for you. But Ash Wednesday sermons on this text go like this. What is it that you treasure? What does your heart love? What can you not live without? As we move into Lent and into preparation for Good Friday and Easter, these are important questions to ask. Because the answers begin to identify things which are not divine that have quietly been holding a status of divinity in our lives. You may have seen a recent commercial for Captain Morgan Rum, where the dashing and daring pirate captain breaks a man out of jail. And the two uh, race through town on the cobblestone streets on horseback and they escape the uh, musket fire of the commandant's men. And as the pirate ship is sailing away from the harbor, the criminal begins to celebrate his new freedom. He's quickly grabbed by the pirate crew. He's pressed up against the ship's rail. The shirt is ripped off his back. And there, tattooed on his back, is a treasure map. And the pirates go crazy. An X marks the spot where the treasure is, and the X is right over the man's heart. The heart is where the treasure is. In spiritual terms, it is our heart, our emotional core that treasures people and things. It is our heart that, in a sense, determines the level of value that we give to those things. We like this person, but we love this person. This person over here, we find them a little dull. Uh, We might like the gift of time, but we love the gift of diamonds or golf clubs or something like that. We might not care for someone being late, uh, but we really hate being ignored. These things, of course, vary from person to person, but... Uh, What is universal is that our heart is our treasure map. It tells us where our treasure is. Now the Bible says a lot of things about the human heart, that uh, core that God has put in us, that ties us together spiritually and emotionally and physically. It is the thing in us that feels, and more specifically the thing that God has put in us to love. And the Bible names uh, several things that our hearts ought to do. We are to love the Lord our God. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, We are to forgive others from our heart. 
uh, we are to obey the Lord uh, from our heart. But of the uh, more than 700 times that the word heart is used throughout Scripture, even a quick survey uh, of those usages will tell you that the Bible is not impressed or optimistic about the fidelity of the fallen human heart. The heart wanders, Psalm 95.10. The heart is hardened, Exodus 7.14. The heart is stubborn and rebellious, Jeremiah 5.23. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, Jeremiah 17.9. The heart produces evil, anger, sexual immorality, murder, and slander, Matthew 15.19. In the words of Jesus. Of course, this is not to say that we're completely devoid of kindness, creativity, beauty, even of morality. You can look around uh, our lives and know that that would just be a silly statement. But it is to say, however, that our hearts, which were made to love God and to be loved by God, now in their fallen state, feel that need to love and be loved by making good things into little surrogate gods. We take good things and we make them into God things. Ultimate things. Things that we treasure. And the Bible word for this is idolatry. St. Augustine said that idolatry is worshiping anything that ought to be used and using anything that ought to be worshipped. It's not bad. And Tim Keller says that an idol is whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts, if I have that, then I will feel that my life has meaning. Then I will know that I have value and that I'll feel significant and secure. And if you want to find out what those idols are in your life, and Lent is a good time to do that, uh, look at the treasure map of your heart. What do you have to have other than Jesus Christ to be happy? Besides God, what must be present in your life in order for you to have peace or security or a feeling of value? Let me give you a few examples. We are absolutely supposed to love our children and to work to give them what they need to learn to be faithful Christians and productive members of society. But what happens to us when our child fails? What happens to us when our daughter turns up pregnant or our son gets shipped off to jail? What happens to us if our child says that They really just don't care about God. You can think of countless scenarios, I'm sure. but The healthy sadness moves over into an existential sense of despair. Your life feels completely over if we're broken by anxiety. Or if our great worry is what others will think of us in the midst of that situation. And we've got an idol on our hands. It might be our child or our child's success or our success as a parent. Or what about wealth? I mean, wealth is good. It's good to save. It's good to have nice things. It's good to use 
use our nice things to bless others. It is so easy to let our worldly treasure become our spiritual treasure. To have to have nice things. To have to have a certain amount. I mean, there are all kinds of layers of idolatry when it comes to wealth. Where our sense of security comes from. How we want others to view us. uh, What we think we deserve. And you, I'm sure, can come up with others from watching the people that live next door. But um, if we can't live at peace without lots of money or without other people knowing that we have lots of money, then we've found another idol. Or we can look at the idol that Jesus exposes in the gospel text. It is certainly good to pray and to give and to fast. But Jesus shows us how these things can expose the idol of other people's opinions about us, particularly other people's opinions about our piety. Jesus says they've received their reward. If we are looking around at others rather than up at God when we are seeking affirmation uh, for our spiritual lives, then we're dealing with an idol. And the possibility of an idol should not keep us uh, from praying or fasting or giving. But it is important to honestly assess who we're praying to, who we're giving for, and why we're fasting. Listen, we can, we can make idols out of anything. Anything. It's why John Calvin famously said that our hearts are idol factories. In fact, if the Bible is right, I believe that it is, about the diagnosis uh, of the human heart, then I'm sure that we can even make an idol out of not having any idols. I can tell you the truth that pastors uh, can certainly make an idol out of the righteousness and spiritual maturity of their congregations. And so, so what are we to do? Now, I want to tell you to survey the treasure map as we move through Lent. To peer honestly into your heart. Rend your heart, as the prophet Joel says. Take note of those things that you treasure over God. Those things that you love more than God. Those things that you have to have for life more than you have to have the life of God. And offer those things prayerfully and penitentially back uh, to Him. That's what you should do. That's what I should do. I hope uh, that we will. But if we start there, If we start Lent with our own action, or even with the confidence that we will rightly discern our own hearts, then we are sure to create more idols around our own religious devotion. We must instead start Lent knowing that we're not the only one who put the love of something or someone above the love of God. We start Lent with the knowledge that God also put something before God. We start knowing that God also loved something more than He loved Himself. That there was something also that God had to have, that He literally couldn't live without. And that something is you. God loves you. And He chose 
not to live without you. 1 John 4.10 says, In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. God loved you so much, loves you so much, that He gave His Son Jesus to be the sacrificial offering for your sins. God loves you. God loves you. It's been said several times from this pulpit that He is so for us that He is even against Himself and His own judgment. And that's where we start Lent. Not with our action, but with His. Not with our love, but with His. Not with our cleansing of our own hearts, but with His cleansing of our hearts. And so examine the treasure map. Offer to Him your treasures. But do so in the confident knowledge that He has already paid a price of infinitely greater cost. He paid for you with His own life. The Son of God. Let's start then there. Amen.